Hi, welcome back. Thank you. You're very, welcome. Very, very, very. <gasps> yes. You're using the cup I bought you. Well, I use it all the time, actually, because I bought a milk frother. And you'd be really proud. I can have caffeine again. But this is decaf. Have you? Okay. 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 All right. I have to tell you something. So I also have an addictions assignment. Ooh. Or like it's called like addictions empathy or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's only for like 48 hours. <laughs> I hate you. You know what? We're not even going to talk about it. Okay. So when were you able to start? Um, when were you I was able just trying to put it in the middle? When were you able to start drinking caffeine again? Oh my God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, uh, on Saturday. So have you? Well, yeah. Cause I was in rapid. So my friend Adrian and I went to Starbucks. We got a Starbucks. Um, and that was really all the caffeine I oh, had that day. did all of you guys go? I thought you went with Davina. No, I went with Adrienne and her son. Oh, I thought you went with Davina and her kitties. No, we're going with Davina this well, coming weekend. Okay. Fuck. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited to do all of our hippie stuff. We're Okay, so, yes. Um, let, okay. Let's not talk about it. Let's talk about it next week. Yeah, and I also, okay. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Um, so I did something really cool today. Uh, tell me about it. I want to know everything. Well, I'm not going to tell you everything, but I went back to therapy today. Yeah. It was good. You call it? Mm? Huh. Yes, I really like my therapist. She makes me feel very, very va validated. Yeah. I got a weird text message with a bunch of random letters. Uh-oh. Yeah, look at that. What you put to push me to my yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, don't click on it. I won't. Anyway, yeah, I went back to therapy today and it was amazing. I'm You're very happy. Anticlimactic of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking notes. No, it was it was good. I always forget like what I get out of therapy and like she said something really cool today about about just like the situation, the stuff that I'm going through. Yeah. Um and she just told me she's like just don't let it take up any more headspace. Whenever you're starting to get mad, just remind yourself like you can't be in my headspace. And it's like, it's shit that I know, but she said it and I'm like, oh yeah. You're like, I preach this to people every day. And That's then... what I told her. I was like, I legit tell people the same shit. And she's like, yeah, but you're, you're living it though. And it's but different. Mental health advocates are the people who like <laughs> need to hear it the most because, because why can't we take our own advice? <laughs> Chelsea. I'm just asking. You're right. <laughs> You didn't have to attack me like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I take it back. It's true, though. Yeah. I mean, we spend most of our days pounding things into people's heads about, you know, love yourself, self-care, self-care, self-care. And then I go home and I watch TikTok and drink Red Bull and whatevs and isolate. So, yeah, you know, it actually it was very, very. I'm healing. so happy for you. I'm happy. Good. Yes. Yay! Yeah. So. <clears throat> yes. Do we have any cues? We do. Um, so my mom asked, what is the best way a parent can support a child with an eating disorder? And how do y'all feel as therapists about correlating Renaissance art to people? Gross. Okay. Renaissance art to people with ED as a positive body image because the people during that particular period were well-rounded. Um, I just want to start off, N Angie, neither of us are therapists. I am almost. You're almost. I am. I'm not even close to becoming a therapist. What I, I I can't. I'm allowed to have an opinion. Well, so here's what I will tell you: is this is very directed. This is the advice I was given from 
my doctor and my dear, dear mother when I was at the height of my eating disorder. Oh my God. Um, so the first thing I will tell you is that I fully respect what you were trying to do, but it was not effective by pointing at pictures of people in Renaissance art and saying like, look, these women used to be this way. It was, it was desirable. It's not realistic to where we're at in today's society. And it's actually very triggering mm -hmm. because again, you're pointing out that there's something wrong with that person's body. So when you say, why can't you look more like this? It's another reminder that we're inadequate. We're not good enough. We're and then, missing the mark. And then people who do look like that, they're like, well, why can't you look more like that? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And advice, advice. We What are, do you have opinions on that? On the Renaissance art? Yeah. I, when I got that message, when I read the message, not got, um, I thought it was interesting because it's something I hadn't thought about um, as someone who hasn't struggled with an eating disorder. I'll, I'm, this is going to be a big learning experience for me today and I'm looking forward to it, but it's my baby. I know. I'm so excited. I know. Um, I, I didn't think about it and I was like, yeah, I, I guess so, but I don't see how it could be helpful to someone. Mm -hmm. I see it as like a tactic of somebody who doesn't understand eating disorders. Cause the mindset isn't just like, I, I want to be desirable to men. Like my physician told me like men, like women with a little meat on their bones. And I have never fucking hated anybody more in my entire life. Are you than that serious? Man. Yeah. I'm like, I'm literally not choosing to starve myself. So a man will like me. Yeah. What the fuck? So that, I mean, just very uneducated mm -hmm. in that realm. But yes, I would not encourage somebody to use other people's body images or anything like that as a way to identify with somebody with an eating disorder. Absolutely not. It's um, not appropriate. And advice for parents. Was so, oh, geez. I think my dog just freaked out. That was spooky. I feel like they're fighting about something right now. I hear a little low growl. <laughs> um, <clears throat> advice you'd give parents to somebody. Oh. Advice you would give parents. <laughs> If they have a child struggling with an eating disorder. I don't even know where to begin. I say let's let's put a pin in that because we're probably going to talk about it okay. throughout the episode. Okay. I so. see. I see. Oh, oh, wait. I have a question from before we go into a did you know. Um, question says, so this question was actually sent in last week after we had recorded. Mm. Okay. Um, so then she sent it again. Oh. And I don't know if... <laughs> she's like, I, you bitches. I don't know if, like, she knew it was after we recorded or if she's like, excuse me? Like, you fucking ignored my question? Like, she literally just copy and paste. <laughs> Sorry. So I don't know if she was, like, being a little passive there. But it's fine. We'll get to it. Um. So her... She has two. One. Okay. How is Podcat? Fat as fuck. He is fucking huge. He's fat. That is the... Big cat. He is. Like, I remember when you first got him, like, I was scared my big toe was going to break Nope, him. he is. He is squishy and happy, and he likes to sit inside my palm tree. Here's the thing about this cat. I have never seen a cat lay on his oh back. We'll the, put some pictures on this. The, the way socials. that this cat does. Like, and my dog, yeah. she, my dog lays on her back. But yeah. this cat, he lays on his back. His arms are even to his sides. Like, he looks like a human. It is yeah. the weirdest thing ever. Okay, question number two. Okay. How do you suggest going about communicating the boundaries that you set for yourself to family, friends, or your partner? Ooh. How do you go about communicating those boundaries? I guess it depends on your level of comfort with being assertive. Because consistency is going to be your best friend here. 
when you set a boundary in place, you have to communicate that boundary and you have to communicate it in a way that people understand the limits to your boundary. So you have to be very clear and assertive in saying, this is my boundary. And if they ram through it once, make sure you address that right away. Because mm-hmm. if you don't address it, guess what's going to happen? They're going to do it again and, and again, again and again. Yep. Yeah. And if they don't respect those boundaries, I feel like that's a different conversation. Absolutely. It you is. know, so yeah, that was a good one. Okay. We got a couple messages from your mom, I feel like. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So here's a, here's a little, did you know for you guys? Cause she really likes these. Did you know? <laughs> The average white fluffy cloud weighs about 1.1 million pounds. (laughs) I don't know what she does online, but this is part of it. Is that something you were imagining? A cloud? I mean, I don't generally sit here and ponder the weight of the clouds above my head. Okay, but now that you have, does that number sound like super spooky to you? No, they're literally full of fucking condensation. What do you think a cloud is made of? Cotton candy. (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) So bouncing off of that, did you know from mama cotton candy? So she swipes up on on one of my stories I shared of my good friend. Um, (laughs) And at first I was really confused because I thought that she was referencing the picture. And so I was like, wait, what's happening? But no, she was on my private Instagram, sent me a message regarding the, did you know she sent to the podcast Instagram? So I was confused, but I soon understood. But her commentary to that, did you know, is as follows. Could you imagine if a cloud fell on you? Jesus Christ. If it really weighs that much, blows my light and fluffy fucking theory out of the water. I'll send my messages elsewhere if I knew how, but I don't. (laughs) Oh my God. So that was fun for me to read and trying to decipher god bless her i love her with all of my soul (laughs) that was fucking fun for you okay um okay guys so it is national eating disorder awareness week yeah so i like i said before as someone who has not struggled with an eating disorder i this is something i'm excited to learn more about I'm going to really try to like rein it in because you're staring at my binder. I have so much fucking research. Right. That I, I, there is, there's a, I wish you all could see this. There's a big binder in front of her, but here's the thing. So Chelsea has put up like a series of stories on our Instagram page and her mom swiped up on one and said, you are my hero. And like, I love that. Um, That's kind of where I'm at here because like I said, like this is your, I said this off, I was gonna say off camera. Off close enough. Off microphone. Um, <laughs> this is Chelsea's baby. Like this is everything that she knows and loves. This is everything that's helped her become who she is today. And like she is my hero for Aww. like this hero <laughs> for, for this reason <laughs> and for like a million others. But this is a, a a big reason that she is. So I'm really excited to like watch her talk about what she loves. <clears throat> well, okay. So let me ask you this. You say you've never struggled with an eating disorder but I'm going to challenge that. So you've never struggled with a diagnosable eating disorder. However, have you ever struggled with body image issues, disordered eating, Mm -hmm. over-exercise, tried a diet pill, done laxative, you know, like, have you ever done anything that could be considered disordered? Yes, 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 yes. Never been diagnosed with one. Um, Uh In high school, I was bullied a lot for my weight. Um, And then I look back on my pictures from high school. I was, what the fuck? 
Yeah. Like if I could go back to high school skinny, I fucking would. <laughs> it's insane. So I'm like, man, kids are fucking dicks, dude. Yeah. Like they literally just wanted something to talk about. And I was in the line I, of fire. I was in the line of fire, which is like fine, whatever. But that did fuck me up in my ears. Like mm -hmm. my brain is not done developing. You're saying these horrible things about me. Yeah. There was a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And then um, I talked about this in a few episodes pack. Um, I think like it was our, our coping episode. Probably. Um, I would talk about how I would like work out like three to four times a day for hours. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, if, of course I have those things. I think many, many individuals do. I think that the step to be diagnosed and to confront it though is a much different story and journey though. Right, right. So eating disorders, I mean, they're a treatable mental health condition. They're mm -hmm. something that is very prevalent in our society, even though we don't talk about them very much. Um, and we're looking at like, if you start talking about stats and this one's a little bit outdated, um, the national eating disorder association has all like updated statistics and stuff like that. Um, I'm not really a stats person. That's not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, but eating disorders, can impact anybody. They don't discriminate anybody, any socioeconomic class, any race, any gender, any sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, and we're looking at kids as young as like eight. Right. I think the youngest individual ever diagnosed with anorexia was five. Ooh. Five years old. You're looking at a five-year-old who is choosing to starve herself or himself. It was a little girl. Oh. Um. And I'm, I'm looking at this stat right now from 2000 something. It doesn't say on here. I want to say it's 2018. Um, but that 81% of 10 year olds are afraid of being fat. 10. These are like the age where you should be doing whatever the fuck you want as a kid, not worrying about your weight. Right. But we live in a society where such an emphasis is placed on somebody's outward appearance. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're looking at young people who are a little bit overweight. You know, it just, it's, it's such, uh, like you said, a target for somebody to be like, oh, well you're overweight. We're going to make fun of you mm -hmm. because it's very easy to see that. Right. Um, and so I don't really know where to start with this. There's so many things I could do. What do you want to know? I want, I want to first touch upon social media. It's a bitch. Right. Yeah. And I think you bring up why the fuck is a 10 year old? It, that's an appalling statistic, but if you think about it nowadays how many 10 year olds on are on instagram yeah like oh, a yeah. lot so many and they see all these different body types and they're like oh fuck i don't look i'm sure they don't say that <laughs> like jeepers. <laughs> jeepers i don't i don't look like that you know and well and let's just <clears throat> let's just talk further it's not just social media it's media in general exactly. so you've yeah. got a six-year-old going on vacay with mom and dad and they look up on this billboard and there's this pencil thin model holding all these expensive things and they get that interpretation They're like, Oh, if I look like that, I'll be successful. Yeah. It's not just what you see on social media. It's literally, it's everywhere. everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, it's a, it's a gender socialization. It's just a socialization concept at this point. We've socialized <laughs> people to determine that an individual's outward appearance is how we correlate success. Right. It is vastly incorrect, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the way that it is. So before you get into like any facts or anything, do you want to tell your story? Um, I will give you a brief synopsis because my story is like 13 years of struggling with body image issues. And that would take 7,000 episodes. Um, so when I, I, I have a question okay. before you start, um, I know that you have a book. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to touch upon that. 
In this I wasn't, episode. but I can. Um, well, I mean, I don't find it appropriate to plug something <laughs> in here, but um, you do have a book that is on Amazon. It, I I have it sitting in my cart. I have not bought it. <laughs> um, is your story told in that book? Yes. Your whole 13 year story. Mm -hmm. How it, it, so is your it's right behind you. It's that little tiny purple one right up there. So it's your story of di diagnosis. Is it your story of coping, overcoming, confronting? Okay. There are like specific blog posts that I did when I was at the peak of my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can see really like what was happening in my mind mm -hmm. as I was going through it. There's letters from family members, um, who witnessed my struggle and who had to be part of it and kind of their perspective too. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was not as hard to write as I thought it was going to be. Um, but yeah, so it's out there. Okay. Go on. Anyway. <laughs> um, so when I was very, very young, and we kind of talked about this before, my dad took his own life. Mm -hmm. um, and I refused to talk about it for a very long time. And my guidance counselor at the time told my mom, like, she won't talk. She's not saying anything. And this is going to come back as something else. Um and I was pretty overweight as a kid and I was bullied a lot and I was picked on a lot. And then we moved. So in fifth grade, we moved to Colorado. So not only was I the new kid, but I was the fat new kid. And so I had a lot of like kick me signs on my back where people would like physically kick me down. Um, they'd write really nasty things on my locker. I had a really hard time making friends. And this went on like all the way into middle school. And then my seventh grade year, the end of my seventh grade year, I was like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I was miserable. Um, so I stopped eating. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very obsessed with calories and reading food labels. Um, and so by eighth grade, I was down to my lowest weight. I had lost my period. Um, I had like fine hairs growing all over my body. And I would eat like a handful of frosted flakes, which retrospectively, super not healthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's sugar on cornflakes. But at the time, like I didn't understand food labels. So I understood that like the total fat content said zero and that meant it couldn't make me fat. Um, so literally like throughout the day, I would have like a couple handfuls and that's all I would eat. Um, and everything, like I didn't have a single food that I felt comfortable with. Like I was terrified of gaining weight. And so then I started losing weight. Um, eighth grade year, I was at my lowest weight. And then that's when my mom took me to the doctor and he said the stupid shit about how men like women with meat on their bones. I was taken to the library and showed pictures of Renaissance women. And it all became about like how men wanted women who had some sort of figure. And it was never really about like, what's going on with you? Like, why are you at this point where like you feel like you don't need to eat? Do you think, and I obviously it'd be, um, it would be silly of me to think that it doesn't happen, but how often do you think that still happens today? Way more where, often than we do. Where even. super incompetent, inappropriate comments like that are made. I would say like 90% of the time. Okay. And I'm making that number up, but I'm going to tell you it's, it's a big number. Oh, absolutely. It's a big number because there's a misconception about eating disorders. Yeah. The one thing you hear is like, go eat a cheeseburger. Why don't you, why don't you just eat? Motherfucker, if it was that easy, we wouldn't have an eating disorder. Right. We're not choosing to have an eating disorder. It is so much deeper than that. So for me, losing my dad, being bullied, there was a dance that I went to and I asked the boy to dance and he told me he, I was I was too fat so he wouldn't dance with me. And that was kind of like the last the last kicker. Um so then I wanted to be as small as possible so nobody would notice me anymore. 
-hmm. So it really wasn't about catching a boy's attention. It was catching nobody's attention. Like I wanted to be so small that I was invisible. And when I couldn't control anything else in my world, I could control what went in and out of my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, it was just that measure of one, I have a huge issue with perfectionism. And so it was, for me, it was like, I have to be perfect. And if I'm fat, I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was, I just, I don't want people to notice me. I don't want people to call me out. And if I'm so small, they have no reason to even notice me. Um, And so then there was, there was just a lot of tension between me and my mom at that point. Um, And so I would eat just enough to like gain enough weight so they'd get off my back. And then when they were off my back, I would lose a bunch of weight again. And we kind of did that cycle for a while. Um, and then when it was, when I was in college that I finally was like, I don't want to fucking deal with this anymore. So I really struggled with alcoholism. I was drunk like all the time, my freshman year of college. And I chalked it up to like, I'm a freshman, like, this is what you do in college. And then, um, I lost a lot of weight my sophomore year by over exercising. Cause I decided that I didn't want to have all that freshman 15. Um, it was very intimidating and very scary. So I quit drinking. Um, and then I was at the gym for hours and hours and hours, um, not eating enough. And then I did okay when I met, um, my spouse who I'm now separated from, um, I did really well. And then we got pregnant and I was, I went to a WIC appointment and our, my WIC lady had told me like, you are gaining weight way too fast. And you're at risk for gestational diabetes and you're probably going to have a hard time losing the baby weight. And that was such a trigger for me. Right. Like I legit did so much research that I knew to the last like millicalorie how much I was allowed to consume in order to grow a healthy baby, but not put on weight. Um, And so I was very, very, very careful about what I ate my entire pregnancy. Um, I worked out the entire time and then... Um, gosh, now I'm getting lost. Okay. So then I had my son and I was getting married eight months later. And so I was like, fuck this. And I relapsed so hard, probably the hardest I've ever relapsed. Cause it wasn't this yo-yo of like, I'll gain enough. So you shut up, but then I'm going to lose it all back. Right. It was like, fuck that. I'm not going to be the fat bride, like no way. And so, Um, it started off with like small changes. Instead of eating ice cream, I'd eat frozen yogurt. Instead of eating chips, I'd eat wheat thins, you know? So you go from like normal eating habits to safe foods is what we call them. So foods that, you know, I can eat this and I won't get fat. Mm -hmm. And, um, the more I got in that mindset, the fewer safe foods I had until I only had like two. Um, and on my wedding day, So like between my final fitting and my wedding day, I lost so much weight that I legit had to be fucking like pinned and glued into my wedding dress. Um, And that was like just a few weeks. And my wedding dress was literally falling off of me. Um, I was very frail. I was tired all the time. My hair was falling out. Um, Like, and I just looked like dead in the eyes. Like my eyes were all sunken in. And then we got back from our honeymoon and my relapse just continued to get worse. And like, I was a caloric genius. Like I could look in a pantry and tell you how many calories were in everything. Growing to the grocery store was in fucking possible. It was terrible. I would cry. Um, it would take me hours. Like I would pull something off the shelf and look at the food label and put it back. And then I would do the same thing again. I would just keep looking at it. Like, I know I need to buy this, but I don't want to. Um, I would hide anything I bought for like my husband and my son underneath lettuce 
because I didn't want anyone in the store to see that I ever bought anything like cookies because they would think I was fat. Um, and so I hardly ever went to the grocery store. There was one time where my husband bought me a Starbucks and, um, it was so hard for me to drink it because I never drank my calories. I only ever drank water. And I think he thought he was doing a nice thing um, by telling me that like he got skim milk and like all these things. And then after I finished it, he was like, it, it was actually whole milk, like trying to show me like, you can do this, you can get through this. And I fucking cried. I sat down in the middle of the aisle in the grocery store and like sobbed because I was so betrayed, not by him, but like I betrayed my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and so that continued for a while. And then it wasn't until I was like walking up the stairs holding my son and I blacked out. And I was like, well, this shit's getting bad. I would weigh myself at least a hundred times a day. First thing when I got up after I went pee, anytime I walked up and down the stairs after I worked out, um, if I ate anything that day. So like my only safe food was spinach. That's the only thing I would eat. And so if I had a bowl of spinach, I'd go upstairs and weigh myself. Um, I would get up at three in the morning and go downstairs and like sneak a workout in because we had like a little elliptical in the garage. So I'd sneak that in and then I'd go back and I would lay in bed until my alarm went off at six. And then I would get up again and work out again so that nobody knew that I had already like gone down there and worked out. And it was so bad that like I'd lay in the bathtub and my spine would get bruised just from like grinding against the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And so it took a little while to come out of that, but I haven't relapsed since. And here we are. That's my story. Okay, so how did you confront it slash overcome it? Um, therapy. Mm -hmm. I went to therapy. And that was very, very helpful for me. But I also, um, I threw away the scale because mm -hmm. seeing the number was triggering. I taped positive affirmations and like mantras all around my house and like on my mirror and stuff. Um, and I actually would send pictures to my best friend so that she could kind of keep me on track too. And it was a lot. It was a lot a lot of work. It was a lot of work. I would do like fear food Fridays where I would eat something that scared me every Friday. Hey. And, yeah. Until I like desensitize myself to it. And that's I, interesting. Yep. And I actually found a really stellar online community. Like I said, I kept a blog. Right. Um, you have to be careful with the online community because there's also like pro Anna sites or like pro eating disorder sites to where they encourage disordered eating behaviors. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful, but, um, there's a super incredible online community of individuals who are recovering together. So we would just cheer each other on and send each other little things in the mail. And I actually still talk to one of the girls. Um, I've never met her in person, but we fucking recovered together and we still talk sometimes. Mm. So that's how I managed it. And here we are. Now wow. I just fucking researched the hell out of it. And I've decided I'm just going to change the entire process of treating eating disorders. You're amazing. Thanks. I love you. I love okay. you. Okay. So tell me what is in this giant book I'm looking at. This is all my research. Um, not really. It really, it was something that I created when I moved here and our office didn't have any, anybody who knew anything about eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So we'd have a client who would come in and like talk about how they felt fat and people would be like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and so it's, it's just kind of like, it was my little way of putting things together to say like, okay, now we have some information. So if you need any information, you come in here and you look up, okay, I think this person might have anorexia. So let's like, they have this diagnosis. Let's look and let's see what that means. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of data and statistics in it. It's got signs and symptoms of eating disorders, stuff on positive body image, the relationship between trauma and eating disorders, 
um, resources you can go to and treatment options. Wow. I love it. It's a lot in there. There's a lot of different types of disordered eating. That's true. And I feel like a lot of people really only look at one. Which one do you feel like people look at most? Anorexia. False. Really? Binge eating disorder is the one that gets the most attention. Wow. Mm -hmm. See, because when, and, and, you know, it's not that I'm like uneducated and I only think that one eating or disorder exists, but when people mention that that's the first thing that pops into my head is anorexia. Yeah. So it's interesting that other people look at the other ones too. Yeah. So there, there are quite a few. So diagnosable eating disorders, obviously there's anorexia mm -hmm. and there's two types. There's restrictive type and shit. Now I can't remember it. Restrictive type. And then like, um, compensatory type. And so that's where you have some sort of compensation behavior. So like you don't eat, but then you compensate if you consume anything, even like a sunflower seed mm -hmm. with something like over exercise or extended fasting. Okay. Um, and restrictive behavior is just where you don't allow yourself to eat, but mm -hmm. there's not that compensation behavior to go with it. Mm -hmm. So there's anorexia, there's bulimia nervo nervosa, and that's where um, you have a preoccupation with your body weight um, you have a preoccupation with a body weight, a fear of being fat, however you eat, and then you induce some sort of type of compensation behavior for the eating, whether that's vomiting, taking laxatives, sometimes it can be exercise, um, diuretics, things like that. And then there's binge eating disorder. And that is essentially just where you consume large amounts of food that is way more than what a typical individual of your body composition would eat in mm -hmm. one sitting. And that has to be accompanied with some sort of guilt for the amount of food that's consumed. And so those are like your three main types. But then there's also, um, I think it's Pika. Pika or Pika. I never say it right. Um, so there's that one. Have you heard of that one? Mm -mm. Okay, hold on. I gotta find it. This one's really interesting. So Pika is where you have this desire to eat things that are not food to reduce body weight no. or just okay just to eat things that aren't food just to eat things that aren't food okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then there is um sorry i have to go through these because there is a lot rumination disorder and that's the regular regurgitation of food that occurs for at least a month um, but they're not doing it on purpose. They eat and then they regurgitate. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that it can be a DSM criteria. However, you really, really, really want to make sure that it's not a medical concern. Right. So you want to rule out all medical stuff too. Um, but the repeated regurgitation, that food may be rechewed, re-swallowed re or spit out. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then there is other feeding disorders, not otherwise specified or unspecified eating disorder. And so that just means like you meet some criteria for an eating disorder, but not enough to be diagnosed with one of the main ones. Mm -hmm. um, so the main ones like anorexia there, it has to be accompanied, accompanied with that preoccupation of weight and fear of getting fat with binge eating disorder. There's not really a fear of getting fat. It just is the guilt for the eating. Mm -hmm. So it just, there's a lot of different things. Um, and then there's one that they're talking about putting in the DSM and it's called orthorexia. Have you heard of that one? Mm -mm. So this was a term that was coined in 1998 and it essentially is just the obsession with clean or healthy eating. Mm -hmm. So like the big clean eating thing that came out not too long ago, 
um, people become so obsessed and fixated on that, that they don't eat anything outside of their clean, clean eating, eating circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Macro counting is another big one. So if it fits your macros was a really big like fitness kick there for a, a while. And I think it still mm -hmm. is out there. Um, but it, it becomes so obsessive that you don't eat anything that's outside of your accepted meal plan. So you still have foods that are labeled good foods and foods that are labeled bad foods. Mm -hmm. When in reality, there is no good food and bad food. Food is just food. Right. And it's all about moderation. But with orthorexia, you have things so separated. This is good. This is bad. And you can't even go out to eat without looking up a menu and calculating that into your accepted macros for the day. Right. So it's so obsessive that there's no room for living, really. Mm -hmm. So that's orthorexia. Which reminds me of your quote that you brought up today. So I'm really excited for you to read that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, like, the main the main ones. Um, what really fucking bums me out is that eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any other disorder in the DSM. I see it. Anorexia specifically, it has the highest morta mortality rate. I see it. Because of the medical complications, suicide, mm -hmm. substance use, and overdose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because any anything that you go through with an eating disorder comes with a medical complication. Mm -hmm. So with anorexia, it's cardiac arrest. It's osteoporosis. It's organ failure. Right. Um, and there's, there's a lot more. Electrolyte imbalance. That's a big one to cause strokes or um, seizures and things like that with bulimia. The big one is like the erosion of the esophagus and same thing, electrolyte imbalance. That's a really dangerous one with bulimia. If you're consistently making yourself vomit, or if you're taking a lot of laxatives because your electrolytes get out of balance and that causes organ failure. Um, binge eating again, there's a lot of strain on your organs when you eat more than you should. And this is, we're talking like when you think binge eating disorder, it's a massive amount of food. Yeah. It's a large, large quantity. And people who struggle with binge eating disorder will often plan out their binges. So they'll go around and they'll go to like a bunch of different restaurants and stores and they will stock up for their binge and they sit and they consume everything in one sitting. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot. Um. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I thought your phone was ringing. First, I thought it was a crisis phone. I was like, it kind of gives me anxiety. Yeah, it happens. Well, and so some of the stuff that I have printed out is stuff that, like, I share with clients. Yeah, so that's that's something else I want to know. So you, well, I guess in the beginning, you did not have effective treatment. No. Um, And then once you hit, wasn't college, it was after, after Aiden? Where you yeah. finally started? Okay. So what, how does one effectively treat an eating disorder? Like what exactly does that, do those sessions look like? It's dependent on the individual, um, the severity of their disorder and co-occurring diagnoses. So for instance, um, um, so for instance, if you think co-occurring diagnoses, for me, I was also struggling with depression and anxiety. So the big kicker for me was getting medicated. So getting medications to, to treat the depression and anxiety because it's like chicken or the egg, which came first. I think ugh, I hate that. <laughs> so you got to treat one or the other. However, yeah. with anorexia, if you're so malnourished that you can't stand up, you have to address the medical needs first. Right. So that requires inpatient treatment, hospitalization. A lot of individuals with anorexia end up with a feeding tube. Um, 
and going through the treatment process and the residential is really, really vigorous and it's hard. They put you, they weigh you every day. Someone else is in charge of your meal plan and you have to consume a vast amount of calories to make sure that you're compensating for what you don't have. And they, it has to be medically monitored because you're at risk of refeeding syndrome. And what that is, is your body is not used to having calories. So you can actually end up harming yourself or killing yourself if you eat too many calories and your body's not prepared because your body can't mm-hmm. process it. Mm-hmm. So it has to be medically monitored as you go through like the weight gain session. And then there's family therapy. CBT is really effective. Um, they're finding that family therapy is one of the most effective treatments you can do. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Wow. Because families don't realize if they're accidentally triggering their loved one. There are right. certain things that you should and should not say. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that you should and should not do. And you mentioned earlier, like our entire fucking socialization is surround surrounded with food. Our our relationships, our world, our lives, it's all food. Yeah. That's how we connect to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You want to grab lunch? Let's go grab coffee and do this assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I was thinking about you, so I brought you some cookies. Mm-hmm. All of our holidays, Valentine's holidays. Day, candy. Um, Easter, candy. What the fuck is after Easter? Halloween, candy. Thanksgiving, giant fucking plates giant of food. Giant meals. And that one's really hard for individuals, not only with anorexia and bulimia, but with binge eating disorder. Right. Because it's a day where we've kind of normalized binging, like eat till your fucking pants explode. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very triggering. Christmas, same thing. Big Christmas dinners. Um, stocking stuffers. Stocking stuffers, things like that. And then even yeah. New Year's. You know, so every holiday has some sort of major food component to it. And that's not including like going out on dates or going out with your friends or doing things like that. Food is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It very much is a connection point. So when you think about that and you think that there's somebody who you love struggling with an eating disorder. Yep. So family therapy has been found to be one of the most effective treatments. I Yeah, that's I didn't even think about like, that's so interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. Family therapy, group therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Um, and then continued treatment when you leave residential, because trying to reintegrate into the world right. where somebody isn't stringently telling you what to eat can be very triggering. Very, very perfect environment for a relapse. Yep. Yeah. So some oh. of, Yeah. And so these are just some stats. Every 62 minutes, someone dies as a direct result of an eating disorder. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. Yep. 30 million Americans will experience an eating disorder during their lifetime. Um, As many as 40% of individuals that experience an eating disorder are male. And that's something we don't talk about a lot. Body dysmorphic disorder is a disorder that's not categorized under eating disorders. However, um, that's what a lot of men will experience this where they see their body as a way that it's not reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they might look in the mirror and feel like they're too, too small. And so they do things like inject steroids or over-exercise and do things like that to compensate for that. However, um, 40% of individuals experiencing eating disorders are male. That's anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder. And the one um, population of people who we specifically look at are any athlete, who has to have, who has to make weight. So especially wrestlers, they Wrestling, are at an ex- yeah. insanely high risk for anorexia or bulimia um, to make weight. And then full recovery from an eating disorder is possible. Early detection and intervention are important. Um, they have the highest mortality rate, like we talked about. 
Half of all Americans know someone with an eating disorder. You may not with, realize without that. even knowing. You may not even realizing it. You may not even realize it. <laughs> you yeah. Cod. Individuals who have a family member with an eating disorder are 7 to 12 times more likely to develop them. Risk factors that increase a person's chance of developing. Genetics, traits and temperament, biology, trauma. Trauma. Um, coping skill deficit. They have no other way to deal with difficult emotions. Sociocultural ideas, dieting, and more. So I think with the trauma thing, too, I think that's a big... And I think a lot of mental health is chicken or the egg situation. Yeah. But I think trauma is a really, really big one. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Trauma, unfortunately, is a kicker for a lot of mental health diagnoses. Right. Right. And it's it's unfortunate, but the when you experience trauma, you have to figure out a way to cope with that. So for me, again, I couldn't control the fact that my dad decided to take his own life. I couldn't control the other kids bullying me. I couldn't control anything. Yeah. The only thing I could control was what I put into my body. Mm -hmm. I could control that. And so you took that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, guys, I hope you like Chelsea's podcast today. <laughs> no, we're Men not done. Mental Health Sucks by Chelsea. By Chelsea today. I have all sorts of slight commentary from him. <laughs> well, and for me, like the biggest thing I struggled with was anorexia, mm -hmm. restrictive type, um, and signs of orthorexia after. So after I recovered, I actually, before I had my second child, I was like, I'm going to do a bikini show because I work out all the time now. Mm -hmm. And that was very hard for me because you have to get down to a tiny, tiny body fat percentage to show all of your muscles. Like you, you essentially have to fast. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not true. That's my fitness friends are going to be like, fuck you, Chelsea. That's wrong. And that is right. It's wrong. You have a very strict diet. Yeah. Um, not all competitors do, but I did. I had a very strict diet. Um, and then you have to like dry out so you can't drink water the night before the show. And there, like, there's just a lot of things that go into that, but coming out of a show and having to put weight back on was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I fucking hate being pregnant. I hate it because I get big and it makes me uncomfortable. Like with Avery, I ran until like a couple days before I had her, even though I was having, wow. even though I was having ligament pain. I was like, I can fucking run through that. I'm not getting fat. And that was just part of it. So. Um, I do have some do's and don'ts. I'm ready. Because I for, think. For someone who is. How to help a loved one. Okay. So, okay, Angie, are you listening? Oh, you called her out. Well, she asked the question. She is. She literally sent us a question. How do you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I'm going home. Okay, let's start with the things you fucking don't do. Do not insist that you watch them eat. It's very triggering. Um, don't put food in front of them. Don't tell them they have to eat. Um, don't touch us without our permission, especially in the areas that we're uncomfortable with. You come up and you touch me in the stomach and I'm not prepared for that. That's very triggering. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the times what's happening is like you're putting pressure on these individuals and they're and it's kind of torturing they're thinking things like oh my god you're touching all of my fat i'm so disgusting um and don't try to force treatment on them because they're not going to get anything out of treatment until they're ready to go to treatment i will tell you don't ever fucking tell somebody who looks thin to eat a cheeseburger it is so insulting um or wow you're looking really thin 
or you look good. You look healthy. Yeah. Even you look healthy. You look like you've been putting on weight. You look great. Fuck you. Do you know what happens inside of the head of somebody with an eating disorder? Mm -hmm. You look really healthy. You just fucking call me fat. Now I'm disgusting and I'm not going to eat lunch. Right. You know, so it even, even the best of intentions can be kind of twisted in the head of somebody with an eating disorder because mm -hmm. we don't think things rationally. Mm -hmm. um, we're so fixated on our body that we can't really hear what you're saying. Right. So we can't perceive those intentions because all our eating disorder is saying is you're fat. Um, so don't say, don't say things like just eat. Why don't you just eat? I don't understand. Why are you doing this to me? Um, I'll help you fatten right up. The word fat, I would just say, don't fucking say it. Don't say it. Um, you're ruining our family. Mm. What have you eaten today? Or just have you eaten today? Um, if you think you're fat, you must think I'm obese. I wish I had that problem. I could be anorexic for a day. Mm -hmm. um, you sure are eating well today. Boy, you ate a lot or you certainly were hungry. Wow. So those are some pretty common statements that you might mean with the best of intentions, but can be very, very, very triggering to somebody with an eating disorder. Um, but also don't be scared. We're not like fucking zombies. You know, we're struggling, but we still have feelings and emotions and we want to talk about them. Don't engage in a power struggle and trying to force them to eat because you're going to lose. Um, usually what happens when you do that is we'll say like, yeah, okay. And then we hide it. Or it might lead to more disordered behaviors like over-exercising, vomiting, laxative use, things like that. Um, don't try to fix our problems for us because you can't. Don't comment on food intake, weight, appearance, caloric intake, anything like that. Um, and don't expect us to be perfect. We're going to fuck up. We're going to relapse. We're going to have days where we just don't eat. Still to this day, I have days where I'm like, I ate too much for breakfast. I either need to run or I'm not going to eat lunch. That's still something. It's it's a demon that I get up and I fight with every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's a conscious choice that you have to make every day to choose recovery. It's not something that just goes away. Um, but also don't promise to keep it a secret for us because that can be pretty dangerous. Um, things you can do, educate yourself. Learn about eating disorders. Learn about the process and what's going on and things that you can do to help find an appropriate time and place to talk to them in private. Please don't call them out in front of friends and family or at like a family gathering. Yeah. Communicate your concerns using I statements. I'm really concerned. I'm noticing that you look, you don't look like you're doing okay. Mm -hmm. um, stress the importance of professional specialized help. I will go with you if you wanted to see a therapist, mm -hmm. how can I help support you through this? Um, Please be mindful of your words and actions by getting the education. And if you need support, if you're struggling with your loved ones struggle with eating disorders, you go to therapy too. Yeah. Um, because eating disorders aren't a one victim disorder. It fucks up your family and your friends because they're watching you literally destroy yourself Yeah. and they can't do anything about it. Um, express continued support and validate their feelings and struggles. Don't ever invalidate them or feel like, make them feel like what they're going through is stupid. Um, like I said, validation and compassion are key. Be willing to adapt to changes in their recovery plan. So like I said, fear food Friday, that was something that I did every Friday. And um, like my family made sure they went out and they got me whatever it was I was going to do. And if I didn't want them to watch me, they didn't watch me. Um, have the ability to incorporate love and fun into the recovery process and also incorporate recovery free time. 
give us a break. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) give us a fucking minute. Um, Focus on the person, not their eating disorder. I cannot say this enough. They are not their eating disorder. For me, the biggest thing that I had to do was separate myself from my eating disorder Mm -hmm. because she was my best fucking friend. When there was nobody else in the world and there was nobody else I could talk to, I had my eating disorder. When I felt like nobody else loved me, that bitch was my ride or die. She was my companion. So the biggest thing that I had to do was separate her. And I gave her a name and a persona. Um, We called her Anna. Mm -hmm. Like, Chelsea, is that you or is that Anna talking? Because it helped me realize I am not my eating disorder. I am an individual separate from an eating disorder. I have an eating disorder. I am not an eating disorder. Um, You don't ever have to fully understand it because if you don't struggle with it, you won't. You'll never get it. Mm -hmm. So don't try. It's absolutely acceptable to say things like, I really don't get that but how can I support you? Um, there's no perfect recovery. Understand that it did. The eating disorder didn't happen overnight. So recovery is not going to happen overnight either. Um, don't tiptoe around them either. Don't act like we're frail and fragile because that just makes, I mean, it makes me mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, triggers will happen. Just be there to support them. So those are kind of like some do's and don'ts. You're so fucking prepared. I just, like, I can't. Do you know how long I've been? Absolutely, I know how long you've been. <laughs> Is that yeah. even a question? Of course I know. Yeah. I didn't really want to go into the signs and symptoms. I mean, I can. But there's they're different for every eating disorder, and I feel like that would take a really long time. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll do that in, like, the stories. So here, okay, I lied. Here are some generic ones that are kind of cross eating disorders. In general, behaviors and attitudes that indicate extreme weight loss really quickly, dieting, control of food, Um, they dress in layers. So if you start noticing that somebody who might have in the summer worn shorts and tank tops and now all of a sudden they're in jeans and baggy sweatshirts, they're trying to conceal weight loss or they're trying to like hide their body. Mm -hmm. Um, Preoccupied with weight, food, calories, carbohydrates, fat grams, dieting, like they're always researching food. Refusing to eat certain foods, um, frequent comments about feeling fat, complaints of constipation, abdominal pain, cold intolerance, lethargy, and or ex- excess energy, consistently denying feeling hungry, evidence of binge eating. So like if you notice that a lot of food is disappearing from your house at the same time, or you're noticing like wrappers hidden underneath somebody's bed, mm-hmm. um, evidence of purging behavior. So they go to the bathroom right after they eat, every time they eat, they might have, um, the skin on their fingers will be peeled. Their teeth will start turning yellow. And, you know, so anything like that, if they, if they smell like vomit, if you notice laxative wrappers or anywhere around your house, um, if they don't want to eat in front of other people, they have an extreme discomfort with that food rituals. So they only eat a particular food or they only eat a certain way or at a certain time. Um, Some of these are the same. Drinking excessive amounts of water or non-caloric beverages, chewing gum, mouthwash, mints, smoking cigarettes when they've never smoked before. Maintains an excessive rigid exercise regimen despite weather, fatigue, illness, or injury because they have to burn off those calories. So they're going to run at negative 37 in the fucking blistering cold regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, calluses on the back of their knuckles. Unusual swelling in the cheek or jaw area. Discolored teeth. Um, withdraw from friends and family. They might look bloated if they're doing a lot of um, binge eating or a lot of vomiting because you can retain a lot of water that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's 
There we go. That's a good one. I'm out of breath now. <laughs> you talk about something. You just talked for like almost an hour. <laughs> you talk about something now. I have nothing to talk about except like I'm so proud of you and I love you and chill. You're my hero. Just Thanks. like just like mom said, you're my hero. Just like mom said. If you want more information about eating disorders, the number one website to go to is the National Eating Disorder Association mm -hmm. and it's nationaleatingdisorders.org. Um, they actually have a free screener you can take to see if you're at risk. And they also have a 24 hour helpline. So you can text the word NEDA, N-E-D-A to 741741. And there will be a professional there to help you. Good to know. I got you. Good to know. I mean, obviously I think that it's pretty fair to see that, uh, Chelsea would be able to help you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about that. So you can get a hold of our Instagram at mental health sucks. Sucks is S U C C S. And, um, I know for a fact, Chelsea will probably be posting all week on there. This is like the one time I will be very vocal on social media, please, because I think it's important. And there's so much on eating disorders that we could not cram into no one episode. Mm -mm. Um, so I tried to make it as generic as fucking possible. Part of me was like, fuck, should we just upload all week? We, oh, we could, we could do like Facebook lives. That means you'd have to hang out with me every day. Like I already don't. <laughs> you, you act like I'm already not here every night <laughs> or vice versa. What are we talking about? Anyways. Um, so, so yeah, look up our social media. You'll find Chelsea on there. TikTok. TikTok. Um, if you ever feel like you need to reach out, we're always there too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. My mouth, my coffee's cold. Like that's how much I talked. Fucking coffee's cold. <laughs> and I'm over here like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other questions for me? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, Fine. I, I, <laughs> I don't. I wanted, I was thinking about plugging your book in this episode, but I really, I wanted that to be a you thing. You can. The book's called Living with Anna. It's on Amazon. It's literally like the cheapest I could make it that they would allow me to. So just know, yes, I will make a dollar something if you purchase the book. But then you could donate it to like the I donate to Nita every year. Yeah. So every year. Maybe you could do that. If everyone, anyone wants to go look at her book on Amazon and buy it, and then the proceeds could go to Nita. Yeah. 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 But I, I will say that like one of the, one of the most deadly things about an eating disorder is silence. Right. So don't be afraid to talk about it. If you feel like you have a loved one struggling with an eating disorder, or you're just concerned about their eating habits, um, open the conversation, ask them if they're okay. And remember, it's not about food. You know, don't make it about food or their weight. Just ask them if they're okay. Because if they're struggling with an eating disorder, they're not okay. So. Right. You had some baller quotes today. I think I only have two. I'm ready. Okay. This one actually is Lori Hulse Anderson from a book called Winter Girls. And she writes, I am angry that I starved my brain and that I sat shivering in my bed at night instead of dancing or reading poetry or eating ice cream or kissing a boy or maybe a girl with gentle lips and strong hands. Mm. And that fucking hit me so hard because I can't tell you how many memories you miss right? when you are so fixated on your weight and your body and hating everything about yourself. Right. Um, and the other one doesn't have an author, um, but I've shared this a million times. Um, and so this one says, those extra five to 10 pounds, that place where your body naturally wants to be, 
That's your life. That's your late night pizza with your man. That Sunday morning bottomless brunch, your favorite cupcake in the whole entire world because you wanted to treat yourself. Those five to, five to 10 pounds are your favorite memories, your unforgettable trips, your celebrations of life. Those extra five to 10 pounds are your spontaneity, your freedom, and your love. Mm. Boom. I love, I love those. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for letting monopolize me monopolize this whole entire episode. Uh, that was my plan all week. Well, you didn't fucking tell me that. All, all last week. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that this is our topic next week. I was like, I know I'm just going to let Chelsea take the reins on this one. Because mm -hmm. it wouldn't be right otherwise. Well, here it was. Thanks for educating me and Boom. educating our friends. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Make sure you stay tuned on our Facebook and our Instagram as we might be posting little things here and there. Not on Facebook. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to put it on Facebook. That's one thing <laughs> that I will not. Did you say Facebook? Yeah. No. Instagram and TikTok are the two that I'm like willing to do right now. I'm still <laughs> mad at Facebook. Someone reported us on Facebook. And I still can't fucking figure out why. Oh. We were banned for a solid 24 hours. For breaking something. We didn't break anything. Apparently. You we, know that. We broke a rule. You know we did not break a rule. No. So we were reported and banned. So I'm still mad at Facebook. Well. I will try. I will put it on my personal Facebook. <laughs> Make sure you water yourself and your friends. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.